Hello and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett. And today I want to share a word about our Sovereign Lord as I comment on Psalm chapter 8. This psalm reads, O Lord our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants you have founded a bulwark because of your foes, to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at the heavens... Hmm, okay. Three, two, one. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I want to share a word about our Sovereign Lord as I comment on Psalm 8. Good Monday morning. I'm Otis Corbett, and I'm coming to you for a few minutes today on Facebook so that we can all start off this week the right way with Scripture and prayer. And our Scriptures for today come from Psalm 8. This Psalm reads, O Lord our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes, to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them, yet you have made them a little lower than God, and crowned them with honor, and glory. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, we know that Peter called the church a peculiar people in his epistles. Now, he didn't mean that pejoratively, uh, but still we know that people in the church have some funny ways, they have some funny habits and some funny ideas. But as unique as church members can be sometimes, we are not nearly as peculiar as the citizens of these United States can be, particularly when it comes to the concept of royalty. You see, in 1776, we decided we didn't want to be ruled by a king, and we declared our independence. After the Revolutionary War, George Washington became our first president, and he was so popular that he probably could have established himself into some kind of royal figure or king, but he declined. And he set a pattern for future presidents of only serving a maximum of two terms in office. Now, this pattern lasted for over 150 years, actually about 160 years, until it was broken by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Even then, once FDR was off the scene, we quickly approved an amendment to the Constitution which placed a two-term limit on his successors. Now, unlike Old Testament Israel, we apparently don't want a king of our own to rule us. 
but that doesn't keep a large portion of our society from fawning over other people's royalty, particularly the royal family of England, the royal family of Great Britain and the United Kingdom. How strange it is for the descendants of the king we, have we revolted against to be such objects of fascination and even adoration by many people in the United States today. I can only imagine how Peter would have described American society today. Peculiar might be the mildest term that he would use. I can't imagine what he would say. In contrast to our bizarre society today, the psalmist David would have been very comfortable with the idea of a king ruling Israel. I mean, not only was he himself anointed as a king, David also honored the anointing of King Saul, and he even repented of that minor assault that he committed when he cut off a corner of Saul's cloak instead of killing him in that dark cave when he had the chance to do so. While David was comfortable with the rule of earthly kings, he was also well aware of their limitations. He recognized that they only ruled as the steward of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. David may have been sovereign over Israel, but God was sovereign over the entire creation. Our focal passage for today shows that David proclaimed the greatness of God and he recognized the sovereignty of God over everything. He also lauded God for His love for people and His willingness to relate to the limited, frail, and fickle people of the earth and His own people, Israel. He reminded Israel that He and they were both merely the servants of God, given charge over what was not theirs, but also given the opportunity to bless the Sovereign Lord by their careful and righteous management of His creation. In recognizing that only the one true God is truly sovereign, David stands in stark contrast to many kings, not least of which was King Herod in Acts. Luke records in Acts 12, 21-23 that on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a God, not of man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. David knew there is only one perfect, holy, benevolent, just, righteous, sovereign God, and it was not him. And this brings us to the question for today. Who is our sovereign Lord? Who is on the throne of our lives? Whom do we honor and laud? Whom do we obey? If it isn't the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and David, then we are in serious trouble. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing... I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.